Today's guest has developed his own seven-step system to help sellers manage their own Amazon inventories that in some cases could save you up to $60,000 in storage fees. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And today, our guest is Michael. Michael, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, man. Good to see you, Bradley. All right, Michael, I'd like to uh, first talk, I know almost little to nothing about you, so about your backstory. So I'd love to, as I always do, first get into your origin story, basically your path to, to e-commerce. So first of all, where, where did you grow up in what, in what state? I grew up in uh, Orange County, California, Southern California. Okay, so right here locally. I'm actually in Irvine. Oh, okay. Um, well, I grew up in, in Tustin and nice. um, left Tustin about 17 years ago. I actually um, got married about 30-something years ago and um, went to, went to Cal state Fullerton there, got a business degree in finance and then went to law school and was a practicing attorney in Southern California for, um, a number of years. And, um, and then after, after spending about four and a half hours a day on the freeway, decided I, <laughs> I was kind of done being a lawyer, but I needed to figure something out, um, that I could do to make the same amount of money and, um, stepped back and uh, looked at what I could do with my my finance degree, and um, actually stumbled into online marketing, um, selling courses teaching people how to trade uh, foreign currencies. So um, that led me from being a um, full time litigator to an online marketer, which is you know, so cool. Out of out of ninety episodes, we've actually had three people who have come to no. Four people, almost, I think, who have come to e-commerce that came from a, a law background. So that's, that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah. It, it was, um, you know, I, I, I ended my career for the last uh, 10 years as an asbestos uh, plaintiff's attorney. So if, you, if you've ever seen commercials about mesothelioma, um, that's what I did. And that, that just sounds so exciting right there. I, I don't know why you wanted to leave that. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd start with a client that ended up with a widow. It was, it was, you know, you multiply that by a case oh, of 100, 150. After a while, you know, it, it wears on you. And, yeah, I can uh, imagine. It, you know, it, it didn't make me the most awesome dad and husband when I came home every night. And uh, I just, I just needed to do something different. And it, it literally stumbled on um, online marketing at the time. And and realized that there was a way to make money actually staying home. And um, it was such a, a huge switch in my life that um, it's, it's just been a great ride. It's been, a, it's been a, you know, kind of a bumpy ride getting started and, and switching over. But um, on top of that, we left California, moved to uh, the, the wilderness of North Idaho and um, just did a major shift in our life. And it's, it's been a great ride. And, um, and that led, that led me from, um, being in online, uh, marketing, you know, selling courses, doing seminars and masterminds and deciding I wanted to kind of step back and get into physical products. That's what led me to Amazon about seven years ago. Okay. 
Now, what was your first product that you started selling on Amazon? Silicone baking mats. Um, we were part of ASM2 and everyone in ASM was going through, you know, I'm sure they do it the same way now. They drip out, you know, each module. So everybody that was focused was looking at the same products with the same teaching. And um, when we went to our first live event, we thought we had it, man. We thought, you know, we found the niche and us, <laughs> we were, we were with about 200 other people in, <laughs> in Austin, Texas that were selling silicone baking mats. It was kind of fun. Oh man. Now, what was, are you still selling on Amazon today? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So what was, what was your peak? I mean, every year have you continued to get, you know, to increase the yearly revenue or did you have a peak year somewhere in the last seven years? Uh, oh yeah. We, we've, we've done well. We're, 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 we peaked up at seven figures. I wouldn't say that we're big seven figure sellers, but we're, you know, the smaller on the seven figure, um, uh, sales process, but it's, it's from any study. And about, and about what kind of profit margins are you looking at? Uh, well, now anymore, um, we're looking at anywhere from 30 to 34%. Oh, wow. That's very, very good. You, you're yeah. saying, was it higher than that before? Well, yeah. I mean, in, you know, when we first started shoot, you, you know, you, um, we were looking at, we were looking at anything between 40 and 50 or I wouldn't, I wouldn't even pursue it. And, uh, you know, obviously things have changed a lot, but, um, we've consolidated down to the products where we have, um, a good strong presence in the node and, um, our profits are high and that, you know, that's a comfortable place for me to be. Um, okay. you know, I'm, a little, I'm a little longer in the tooth than a lot of guys that you talk to, you know, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I'm not trying to be the richest man in Babylon anymore. I've got, uh, I've got grandkids and just, just and, the richest uh, man in Idaho. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's fun to be, you know, full-time grandpa. I just, yeah, in fact, uh, my, uh, my daughter-in-law just picked up our little, our little buddy. He was here all morning and it's just allows us a great lifestyle, um, up in the woods. So, okay, cool, cool. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's the beauty of the game. You know, a lot of people, you know, they sometimes put uh, a dollar sign on what success is. And for some people, it might be seven figures or eight figures. Hey, I'm not successful with this. But for some people, they might just like to have a little side hustle for their main job. And that's success. So like, guys, whether your success is having eight figures or whether your success is being able to spend time with your grandkids and in the middle of nowhere in Idaho, hey, it's whatever you want success to be. And, and we got an example of that here. Now, the, the, the reason why I, I brought you on the show today is I wanted to talk about something we haven't really talked about with, with guests. And in my personal opinion, I think it's something that a lot of sellers sometimes, you know, maybe overlook or they don't pay enough attention to it. And that is like inventory management. And what a lot of sellers don't understand is, is how inventory management, you know, it's not just a matter of, hey, I don't want to run out of stock. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But can you talk a little bit of about how a great control over your inventory can actually affect your ROI and how important that is to, to a business. Oh yeah. I mean, this, this journey started for me about a year and a half into our business. And, um, you know, I had, I'd done a lot of the right things. Um, I, I, I'm a believer in seeking out, um, knowledgeable, knowledgeable people. If they've got a course and something I need, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I want to buy that guy's course. Um, it's like buying a book. There, there's a, a book by J. Paul Getty called How to Be Rich. And you can buy it for six bucks. <laughs> you know, there's knowledge out there that's so valuable. And so I, you know, I learned about SEO from guys that know SEO. And and I learned quickly that people teach to their strengths. If, if I needed to learn about 
um, you know, sponsored ads, there, there were some there to teach me, um, optimizing my listing, some there to teach me. But then once we hit about 25 products um, from different factories with different, you know, lead times and ordering and different ports to ship from, all of a sudden I realized I had an inventory management problem. I mean, I won't even call it a challenge. It was a problem. And, and so I looked for the next course, you know, I figured, well, someone out there is going to teach me how to manage the same. I mean, everyone's taught me how to build it. And I got to figure out how to run it. <laughs> and there, and to my chagrin, I couldn't find anyone that could explain it to me. And so what I was finding, which a lot of people with it, when they're growing fast and we were, um, you know, you run out of inventory and it, it, it crushes, it does two things. It crushes your cash flow because immediately you, you, your cash flow just stops, uh, especially if, if it's one of your bigger sellers. And then, and then all the work that you did to get ranking, I mean, especially it's, it's, it's gut wrenching when you do all the coupon codes. And this was, you know, where we were at the time, we did all the giveaways. We spent so much money, you know, into a launch and then we, we got a ranking and all of a sudden we run out of inventory. And I mean, your listing, as you know, vanishes. Your your competitors happily take your spot, and getting that back, especially now, is brutal. And so, and then, and then on the other side of that, you know, you could you know people defensively then order too much because they've they've felt the pain of running out of inventory before, and so then they tie up their operating capital in a warehouse somewhere with a bunch of pallets that are collecting dust because you know they they ordered way too much, and so finding the balance for me. Um, with one or two products is one thing, because when you, when you first, when you first get started, it's, you know, you know, you, you make a test order, you might order 500 just to check, you know, test the market. If it does well, you might double or triple your order. But then after that multiplied by, you know, 10, 15, 20 or more products, you can't just double orders anymore. And so I really started looking for a way to manage my inventory, which led me on, you know, it led me on quite a, a journey. And because I, like I said, I couldn't find anyone that could teach it. What are some horror stories of, of what led you to do that? Like, like what's something bad that really happened to you and, and how it affected oh, you that really well, kind of I, made you want to check this out? I won't, I won't name any names. Um, I ran out of inventory enough times and, and in early on, and this is, you know, early ASM, maybe um, six years ago, it seemed like every forum you were in, um, it didn't have to be ASM's Facebook group. It could be a bunch of the other Facebook groups. You'd hear about every 10, um, 10 posts, it was, help me, I'm running out of inventory. Help me, I'm running out of inventory. And uh, what do I do? Do I raise my prices? Do, you know, what do I do? Um, the, the thing that really stuck in my mind was was one time I was with a friend and we were at a, we were at a warehouse in Seattle. And he was so excited because he brought in, like, I think it was either 10 or 12 containers of, of product. And he was just, it was just, it was kind of stunning to be in the warehouse and, and look at, you know, a one guy, this is a long time ago. This guy's bigger now, but one guy that had 12 containers just roll in. I mean, it, it just, it, it, the warehouse was stuffed to the rafters of this guy's products. It was exciting. And, but then six, eight months later to go back and it's still, you know, more than half full. And he was dying because he'd borrowed money and, and he thought he had a winner. And the next thing you know, he's, he's out of business and, and people are coming after him. And I looked at that and I thought, Oh my gosh, you know, we, we, we've been playing it kind of like the wild west. When we first got started, you know, you could throw, you could throw up a listing as long as the, the images were, were good. And, and you, you had good bullet points. You did everything right. You'd make money. And, um, you know, and, 
but as things tightened up as you know, everyone knows things have tightened up in, in the last, you know, five, five years, man, you've got to, you got to dial in the business side of this. And it's cool to talk about, you know, the latest ninja tactic and, and those, and they're, they're great because they help you build your business. Um, it's cool to talk about your, your, you know, helium 10 tool strategies that, you know, I'm doing this with it and, and I've hacked them and, and, and I've, 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 I've created this strategy with these different tools. And I've gone to this mastermind, but, at, at, but after that's done, you have to go home and run your business. And so I, I had to, I had to come up with a, a system because I couldn't find anyone that was teaching a system on how to manage my inventory. And so that kind of led me on this journey. I, I would attend webinars and, and literally seminars that had nothing to do with Amazon and everything to do with um, uh, supply chain logistics and inventory management. And out of that, I developed over time um, a seven step system on managing Amazon inventory for Amazon third party sellers. And if you know, it didn't, it didn't start out polished, but working with some friends and, and, and testing different things and, um, led to, Hey, um, can you help me with my business? Hey, can you help me with you know, managing my inventory? And then it turned into, Hey, can you speak at my, at my mastermind? And before I know it, I was, I was traveling a lot more than I wanted to, but I was, you know, every, every single place I went, um, I, I was the guy that get, was getting crowded at the bar after the event, you know, Hey, you know, you explain again, how you did that. Can you share your spreadsheets? And so, um, that led to the development of, of the inventory boss. I, I had a seven step, I call it, I call it our seven step system and that got kind of boring. So I, I, I coined the phrase inventory boss and, um, the idea that, you know, you, you need to be, you need to take ownership of your inventory management. Otherwise you're going to bleed profits, no matter how awesome your sales are. If you're running out of stock here or you're getting hammered in storage fees or you're tying up your, your operating capital, you're not being as efficient as you could be with all the other awesome stuff that you've learned along the way. And, um, and that's what the inventory boss is. It's, it's, I've, I've solidified my seven step system. It comes with a software, a package that once you learn the, you know, you learn how the theory and the math of how it works, then then the software can pull the pull your data from from Amazon's MWS API and and help you actually run the inventory management of your business. So that's what that. are some of the costs? Like if somebody does have too much inventory, you know, I, I think a lot of people know that hey, if your inventory stays there too long, Amazon's going to charge you. So like, at what point do they start charging you? And what are some general like? How can somebody calculate more or less just rough estimate like how much they might charge? how much they could be paying if they're not managing their inventory and they have an extra thousand units that's going to sit X number of amounts. So like, what are some, some figures of how you can, how people can kind of guesstimate what, what might happen to them or how serious this is? There's um, there's a report you can get from Amazon and seller central that'll tell you when, when, when we really started focusing on this, Amazon was hammering everybody with long-term storage fees twice a year. And I was talking to guys that were getting hit for, you know, $50,000 just in additional storage fees every couple of years until they, they figured it out. I mean, and, and what happened was... And uh, how much did you say? Oh, I know a guy that, that had paid over $60,000 just in over just in long-term storage fees. Oh, and, my goodness. And he came to me and said, I got to figure this out. <laughs> I said, yeah, you do, buddy. And... Uh, and so the, the thing is, they don't they don't charge that every two years anymore. They stopped that a year ago. Um, and I spoke to someone on Amazon about it. And I and I 
in what ended up happening, and you know, you can't blame any particular group, but I think what happened was there's so many people I got on Amazon about in the last seven to ten years that they just order two, three thousand units and ship it into Amazon. And whether they sold or not, so Amazon, all of a sudden, their warehouses are getting stuffed to the rafters, and they, they operate like a restaurant. If you're a, a restaurant server and you've got five tables assigned to you, if you're not turning tables, you're not making tips. And, and it was just like people were camping out and not turning tables. I mean, they, they were sending in junk that wasn't being sold. And so Amazon, they were losing money. And so they said, okay, we got to fix this. And um, I, you know, I had a guy on Amazon tell me, I, I, um, I was talking to him, he said, yeah, we, we created long-term storage fees to clear out the addict and, and, make, and spank our, our sellers hard enough to where they would actually start running their business, you know, kind of more professionally than they were because, you know, Amazon was ended up paying for space that wasn't turning making them a profit. And so it can be for a particular seller. Um, it can be expensive, especially in October, November, December, where we are now um, when Amazon quadruples the storage fees for the stuff you have. So the, the issue is I got to send all my stuff in because we want to have great Q4 sales but Amazon's going to hammer you for um, your Q4 storage. And so you need mm-hmm. to know how to balance your warehouse load between um, the, you know, your freight forwarders warehouse, wherever you store your products, and how much to ship into Amazon at any given month. And so that, that, that's where you, know, you learn things um, like, like you know, forecasting your future sales, how to figure out seasonality for your different products. Um, knowing how to forecast what you're going to need for a particular month and then just send that in maybe with an extra 100 or two units to make sure that you don't run out of inventory. But you're not giving Amazon a dime more than uh, you should be. Now, do you suggest to people, I mean, lately I've seen more of a trend of people who don't send to 3PL. They like, hey, they ship directly from their Chinese factory directly to Amazon. Now, obviously the risk there is that, you know, you might be, your MOQ might be a number that you're not going to be able to go through before you start getting charged. But at the the flip side, you save money of not having to store it at a 3PL and not having to incur additional storage charges. But you personally, what method do you find that you recommend more? Uh, Sending directly to the, from the factory to Amazon or sending to 3PL your own warehouse first? I, I send my own warehouse. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, but, you know, I've talked to so many people that have such different arrangements with their freight forwarders. I mean, some people can, they, they've arranged for storage um, in China, the people that, you know, sh- ship from China. I know a guy that's got uh, storage arrangements, arrangements in Shenzhen. So he, he can, he can run his factory runs and then store for six months in Shenzhen at a really low rate and then send it in directly to Amazon um, that way. Or he shen- sends it into a, a, another holding warehouse in Los Angeles. I mean, depends on the size of the business, but for me, um, there's a, there's a pallet rate that you pay, um, at, at a warehouse that is substantially less than you're going to pay on a cubic foot basis, um, at FBA. And so you need to know what you know, you know, you need to know your numbers. And that's, that's all, that's where warehouse balancing is really important because if you can figure, you know, you got, for example, if you got 50 units in a box and you can put 18, boxes on a pallet, then that's 900 units on a pallet that might cost you 20 bucks a month. Compare what 900 units would cost you in FBA. And you quickly realize, man, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta keep myself in a warehouse and then, you know, ship it in. 
um, as I need it in FBA. And, and then you, it's, I mean, you can figure out down to, you know, the dollar, how much you're saving if, if you're balancing your warehouse. Okay. So, I mean, are, are there situations where you would suggest the opposite where you think it might be better for somebody just to send it to Amazon? Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, just, like I said, it depends on the, the business model you have. Um, there's, there are some, um, because you might just be sending, well, you know, it just depends. I know guys that, that do a lot of their shipping through, you know, um, air express. And I look at, it, I just, I don't understand how that model works for them so well. Um, but it, it, it does based on their, their, their profit margins. Um, the most, most of the people that I know that do really large, um, volume, they'll have a, they'll have a holding center somewhere, either it's in China or it's, or it's in the U S or, or, you know, mm-hmm. India perhaps, but most of the people I know are, are bringing stuff in from China. Um, but then again, you know, every business model is different. Everyone, every, every category is different and sales volumes all different. If, if they are, if they're going to sell through a container with no question during a particular month, then their volume can totally handle it. You know, that's not the usual Amazon's third party seller that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. that those guys exist, believe me. Um, but most of the people are bringing in a couple few containers a month and um, in, in a variety of products. Uh, and it makes more sense to um, balance their storage fees using using a, a warehouse somewhere in, in the chain, whether it's in Shenzhen or, or somewhere in China uh, or um, close to the port where they're bringing their, their products in. OK, now another question I wanted to ask you along these lines is like, Regardless of if you're sending inventory from your own warehouse, from your 3PL warehouse, directly from Amazon, for a rule of thumb, you obviously can't, you know, completely predict how many sales you're you're gonna have, but what are you shooting for? Like, what is the number of months of inventory, the max that you'd you'd want to to send to Amazon at one time if you did have a good idea about what your monthly sales would be? Like, is it two months? Is it three months? Is it one month? What would you say? Yeah, well, what I do is um, I send in every month. I, I, what I have is, is like I said, I've, I've got a system for forecasting. And so I, I have a very good idea what I'm going to be selling that month um, because you, you can forecast these things. You can factor in the seasonality for the given month that you're going to sell in. You can, you can, you can manually add if you're going to have lightning deals, you can add that in for that month. And you can, you can know to a pretty accurate level um, what your sales are going to be. And, and that's what, that's the beauty of, of forecasting. That's the, the gift of, under, you know, of understanding forecasting because then you can really manage what you're sending in. So I personally, I keep um, a buffer uh, and the only buffer I keep in, I, I know how much, I have a very good idea what I'm going to sell. I make sure I get that in. Plus I usually add about 150, 200 units just so that I, I have a little bit of safety stock in that respect. And then I monitor it throughout the month. And the only thing that, that I really monitor is how long is it taking Amazon to, uh, to, you know, bring it in um, and get out of the reserve status and into, you know, uh, you know, an active listing. Um, so I keep, I want to keep about three weeks, you know, two or three weeks um, at any given time of sales in there um, and available and knowing that I can just, I can, I can ship in more as I need. But again, it, okay. it's, it's all about knowing your numbers um, if, and that, that's what's so important. And that's, that's what allows you to really sharpen up your profits and not bleed out a bunch of, of profits because you don't have your logistics squared away. Once you get your logistics squared away and you really know your numbers, 
then you can strategically send in uh, inventory to where you're minimizing your storage uh, fees uh, for the, based on the Amazon FBA you know, cubic foot um, fee schedule. Okay. Makes sense. Now on the flip side, you know, we've talked about, you know, the horror stories of getting overcharges, but what's the date, you know, why do people need to make sure, I mean, a lot of our sellers uh, listen to us know, but, but for those who are new and, and not understanding, like, Hey, isn't it a good problem? If I sell out, that means I'm selling good. But what are, what are the dangers of what happens when you sell out? Like, why is that a bad thing? Uh, aside from the obvious that, Hey, you know, no more cash flow. Well, the, you know, if, when you, when you're starting out and it doesn't have to be mean when you're starting on the Amazon business, but when you have a new product, you know, you want to know that it's going to sell. And if you sell out of, out of, of a test order, that's not nearly as big a deal as when you're selling out of, you see, if you've got five good bestsellers, you've got, you just got five good products that make all your money. Um, you run out of those. It just, it, it hurts. And it's not just that, um, well, if for, for me, it hurts because, you know, well, your cash flow dries up. It hurts because you, you're, you're going to have to claw your back, your ranking, no, no matter, you know, how big you are in a node. If you're out of stock for any length of time, two, three, four weeks, that's just hurtful. And if, if that happens, getting, getting your ranking position back, isn't just a matter of, of, of giving away a, a couple hundred units. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work depending on your node. And so the, the loss of ranking is huge, you know, and, and the loss of income obviously is a problem, but it's just the angst that comes with knowing that your money's drying up and you're losing your ranking and you're canning it over to your competitors. And that's, you know, that's, that's not why you're in business. All right. So what, what are some ways that when somebody has a brand new product and, you know, they have no idea, you know, they don't have sales history from their own product. You know, they're just starting one. Like how can one forecast, you know, how much to, to bring in for that initial amount? Well, you'd want to look at you'd want to look at what your competitors are doing. There's lots of tools, as you know, out there that will let you know what kind of volume your competitors are doing on a, a, a daily uh, or monthly basis, and and that will give you a great guide what those sellers are doing. So if it's a, if it's a newer product, um, I'd want to see what the guys halfway down the, the first page you know are doing in daily volume, and multiply that by you know thirty to make a test order. And, 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 and then add on top of that, the needful things that you're going to do um, as it relates to your launch strategy. And there's so many different launch strategies out there. Um, you, you just, you just have to, to look at what your business model is for a launch strategy and add that um, to, to that 30 days. And, and that will give you a really good you know, jumpstart depending on there's something called uh, Bradley, there's something called lead time. Um, and there's something, um, lead time is part of a calculation called a reorder point. And, and what you do essentially is you look at the lead time. Let's say the lead time on your manufacturing from the minute you send a, a Skype, WeChat, email, phone call, whatever to your factory, to when it actually comes into FBA and is, um, available, it's not reserved, it's available. That's your lead time. You know, say it's say it's seventy days. Okay, I mean it's got it's got to get built, it's got to get shipped, um, it's got to clear customs, and it's got to make it to FBA, and it's got to you know get off the reserve status. Um, if that's seventy days, then you, what you do for reorder point is you say, okay, if I'm going to sell say ten units a day, then I'm just pulling that out of the air. That's mm -hmm. that's seventy. Um, days at 10 units a day, that's 700 units. Okay. So 
you and then so that's your just your lead time. But something might happen. Maybe, this, you know, the, the shipping gets delayed. It stays in customs for a while. You know, your factory burps. You never know. You might you want to add something called safety stock to that. And that might be an extra 10 days um, just for a buffer. So that's another, you know, 100 units. So when you get down in your inventory now to 800 units, that's going to cover your lead time plus your safety stock. You need to make another reorder. Um, that's, it's called a reorder point that when you get down to 800 units after that, if you don't order, you're going to run out. And there's, there's, there's two reasons people run out of inventory. And, um, there's really only two. One is they blew it and they, and they, they didn't order on time. So they, they missed the reorder point. The, the reorder point is, is, a it's a number of units, whether it's in FBA or FBA and your warehouse, when you get down to a certain number of units, if you don't order in time, you're going to run out. Um, or you, you didn't forecast correctly and you order too little. Um, those two things right there are really the only two reasons you run out of inventory. Okay. Now you've mentioned a couple of times now about like test orders. So like talk a little bit more about what you're talking about when like why somebody would do a test order and, and what the purpose is and, and how they can, you know, how, how they, how they can go ahead and do one. Like, you know, do some factories uh, allow you to make something smaller than like the minimum order quantity to do this? So can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, sure. Well, that's just, I mean, that's just straight up negotiating. I mean, if, if you have a new product, um, then, you know, you have, you have to look at what your goals are with that new product, what your budget is um, and, and say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, depending on your launch strategy, again, your launch strategy might have you, um, you know, giving away or doing something because there's so many different strategies, like I said, where 500 units are just, they're just tossed out, um, into the ocean. I'll just say that. Okay. So you, you're going to, you're going to be a deficit of 500 units and then you're going to want to, you're going to want to, if the, if the launch goes according to plan and, and it works, right. You do your press releases, you do all the things you're supposed to do. Then you want to make sure that you have enough inventory to, um, get you through a reorder point that is at least, you know, what, what the guy at the bottom of page one is doing something along those lines. I mean, it's, it's kind of a loose bit of requirement, but you can negotiate with any factory for any number of things. Almost every factory in China knows about Amazon at this point. I mean, it's nothing's new to them anymore. I just say, Hey, look, you know, I'm, I'm going to do a launch. I want to see if it goes well. Um, and, and I want to make sure that, that after the launch, I've got, I've got at least a lead times worth of a product left over. And that's this number. I want you to make this number. And, and that, you know, I, I have something, a spreadsheet that I, you know, used to call the acid bath and I dunk a product into the acid bath. And if, you know, if all the numbers worked out right, I'd make an order. And, um, you know, a lot, a lot of different sellers have a similar type of, uh, spreadsheet that they use to, to, to say if they want to make a test order or not on a new product. And so that's how I measure the amount that I buy, not based on what the factory says, because factory, you know, a lot of times they'll, when you're making an order, uh, a lot of sellers will, will want to differentiate um, what, what most other sellers have. So let's say like the next time you make a really big product, you know, a production run for this, add another, you know, 800 and modify it like this. Can you do that? And it's like, yeah. And so you've got 800 
um, at a good price because they're already making, you know, a, a big production lot of that thing. And so you can mm-hmm. keep your prices down. Your your timing might have to coincide with the factory to get a really good deal, but that's not a problem for a test order. And so that's, yeah. you know, that's how you negotiate something like that. Okay, cool. So, you know, th- this is some great information you've been giving us uh, about the importance of tracking your inventory. I'm sure people ha- might have some more questions for you. So how can they reach out for you and how can they find out more about the, the services you provide as far as inventory management goes? Well, well what I, what I have is I have a, a course that I used to sell for a thousand bucks when we launched earlier this year, but, um, what I've done is I've, I've turned it into just a subscription. So I haven't, I, I actually have a, an inventory management course called inventory boss and you can get the course for free. I have software that um, once you learn how to manage your inventory, I've got the software that does all the heavy lifting for you. And, um, and I give you a, a seven day trial for the course and the software. And it's at inventoryboss.com. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on here. I hope you stay warm there in Idaho during this uh, winter months and feel free to come back out here to Orange County anytime and, and pay us a visit. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode.